Morning, sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You were sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use a cafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? Blog Talk Radio. Lucid's Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now, here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So, stay with us and together, we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, The Psychology of God, Part 2, The Quality of the Hidden Vision. Before we get started exploring this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bally, the founder of the Lucis Trust. Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bally wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy And those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. When psychology shifts its attention away from the study of the psyche of the individual, usually an abnormal individual, to a focus on the psychological qualities of the greater whole of which we are but a part, we shall arrive at a new comprehension of deity or God. Now, the subtitle of today's uh, show is The Quality of the Hidden Vision. Call it the Hidden Vision. Well, if the vision is hidden, how are we going to be able to see it? Well, yes, that's um, a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? And especially in times like we're living in now where uh, there is so much turbulence and change and I think a lot of us feel that we don't know where the world is headed. In a time like this, vision is especially difficult to achieve and to hold on to. One of our presidents not too many years ago used to refer to the vision thing. And in a way, it was kind of uh, a dismissive expression. I suppose he felt that uh, what was being asked of him in terms of the vision thing was uh, frivolous and not really uh, a responsibility. But I disagree. I think leaders do um, have an obligation to hold the vision before the eyes of men. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish, which suggests 
that vision is a kind of a lifeline. And that's so, I think, not just because it instills hope in human beings, but because it literally expresses the life aspect. Vision expresses the livingness behind form, while form expresses matter, and matter devoid of spirit is death. So vision is related to the life aspect, to the sustaining of human life. Yes, and I suppose it's we should point out here that this, <coughs> this vision is really a, <coughs> a quality of, of God because this whole series, we're talking about the psycho- psychology of God. And so this is the vision that God has of his plan that he is attempting to work out in the world. And um, we inherit some of that same capability because human beings also have the same capability to envision. And so this is one way of understanding God is through our own analogy, by an analogy of our own uh, uh, understanding of vision is one way of understanding the vision of God. Alice Bailey said that the vision is ever on ahead. It eludes our grasp and it haunts our dreams and our highest moments of aspiration. And she said only when one can function as a soul and can turn the developed inner eye, the (coughs) intuition, into uh, the inner world of reality and away from the outer world of form and appearance, only then can that individual begin to sense God's true objective and purpose and catch a glimpse of the divine pattern and plan. I think this sense that God has a plan and a pattern and a vision which he is endeavoring to manifest or unfold is a deep-seated recognition in human beings because one of the most ancient prayers known to man, the Gayatri, which is found in the one of the Upanishads, which are ancient, ancient, ancient Hindu spiritual texts, expresses this vision. It says, Unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. This is an ancient Hindu prayer. So this sense that God has a vision that we can only dimly, faintly glimpse is a a yearning and an urge in human beings. Yes, and as I said, it's passed on by way of the soul. The soul comes, is the builder of that vision in a sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is the responsibility of the soul, the human soul, to uh, work out that vision and to work out the plan. And uh, <clears throat> it knows the plan and the purpose. And uh, so it works at it life after life after life after life, every working with the human form to keep improving it. And uh, eventually we work our way through many stages of awakening until we can recognize this uh, plan for ourselves. Interestingly, um, the vision has to do with um, humanity's um, role or responsibility on earth in manifesting the plan, and yet 
Something that Alice Bailey said caught my interest. She implied that we cannot begin to even glimpse the vision until we take our eyes off of the realm of manifestation and turn our focus to the inner levels, to what lies behind outer form. And I think this is what's expressed in the Gayatri, the uh, true spiritual sun hidden by a disk of golden light. We have always known that the sun is a spiritual uh, power. It's literally life-sustaining in terms of all kingdoms on earth. But man has from earliest times sensed that behind that sun is something even greater and more um, necessary and yet devoid of form. So, yes, we have to manifest the vision, but we also glimpse it only by turning our gaze more and more to the subjective realm, would you say? Right, and this is the value of uh, integration with the soul because the soul provides that inner um, that inner path, if you will, and uh, so that we can look both outward and inward at the same time and gain uh, an understanding of the meaning that's really working out behind the form life, Mm -hmm. behind our own form life. And by tracing back that meaning, (coughs) we begin to uh, gain uh, some insight into this uh, process that um, is working out by way of God's, God's plan. I think it's encouraging and helpful to remember that the soul on its own level sees and knows so much more than we might realize. We are the soul, and we are at the same time the personality living in the world of form and inhabiting a body and uh, emotions and a mind and so on. But our inner truest self, the soul, knows so much more than we are able to bring through into our waking brain consciousness and I think the vision is a kind of a symbolic way of experiencing those breakthroughs of vision as the soul knows it but in a way we're getting a little bit away from the subject of the psychology of God because there is the vision as human beings understand it and there is vision as we can only surmise uh, how dare we in a sense that God holds in consciousness, in in the mind of God, as the great invocation says. Alice Bailey tries to talk about it, knowing that words fail, and finally ends up saying that the vision is that to which God bends every effort. And that's the kind of perplexing thing, because uh, we may think and make claims that we know what's in the mind of God or what he's envisioning, but... We really don't because, as we're told also in in the books of Alice Bailey, that uh, even many of the masters of the wisdom don't know the full context, the full depth of this plan. And so if they are not yet fully privy to the inner workings, uh, uh, then uh, who are we to (laughs) assume that we know the vision? Uh, can see the vision in the same way that God envisions. One thing that's implied by this realization that God or deity has a vision which he is seeking to unfold 
is that the world and life on all levels that we can possibly experience it are not a static or done deal. It's a process of unfoldment. And I'm not just speaking of human beings, but all life on Earth. The whole purpose of our planet is a process that is unfolding, and who knows where it's leading. But um, the Bhagavad Gita, returning again to the Hindu teachings, spoke through Krishna, uh, who I guess we could say was speaking on behalf of God, when he tried to describe his function through our world, our planet, as having pervaded the whole universe with a fragment of myself, I remain greater, wider, and overshadowing all daily living. Having pervaded the whole universe with a fragment of myself, I remain. That suggests a, a continuing, enduring intention that is only partially fulfilled by the processes of life on earth and that extend far beyond it. Right. I think uh, we should talk more about that, um, the depth of this plan and vision that God has because it does extend even beyond the planet or what's working out in the, on the planet Earth here. Mm-hmm. So maybe after the break we can take okay. on to that. Well, for those people who just tuned in, you're listening to In Our Sight, our topic for today, The Psychology of God, Part 2, The Quality of the Hidden Vision is the subtitle. We have a special offer from the Lucis Trust, and that's a paper. And the title of the paper is The Psychology of God. It's taken from Esoteric Psychology, Volume 2, by Alice Bailey, and it will give you a little bit um, more information about the topic that we're looking at today, and it also might be the first step to getting involved with the Alice Bailey books. And I think it's important to uh, to know that with the Alice Bailey books, with the, the Lucis Trust, that Lucis Trust is not a religion. We have people from a multitude of faiths who read the Alice Valley book. It's a Lucis Trust is a spiritual philosophy organization. Uh, there are meetings that are not mandatory, but a lot of people attend them, and uh, we have some interesting discussions. So, just to give you a little insight about Lucis Trust. So, the paper is called "The Psychology of God." I think people of any faith might be might be interested in reading it. And once again, it's based uh, pretty much, uh, well, today's discussion is, is based on Alice Bailey. It's not that it's the other way around. But if you'd like that paper, it's called The Psychology of God. Just ask for it. Uh, absolutely no charge. Give us a call at one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. 695 8247 Ask for The Psychology of God. Once again, it's one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. The easy way to remember that is one eight six six N Y Lucis. Think of one eight six six New York Lucis. Lucis is L U C I S. And if you'd like to hear Inner Sight programs again, uh, you can order an audio cassette if you'd like to by sending uh, five dollars to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York 10005. And uh, if you'd like a copy of uh, an audio cassette of today's uh, topic, uh, once again, it's called The Psychology of God. You can ask for that. Uh, Lucis Trust, once again, $5 to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. Um, 
Or if you'd like, you can um, you can go on our website where past programs can be heard. They've all been archived for you. We have a, an entire libra- library of uh, archived uh, inner sight shows. So you can go to www.lucistrust.org and click on inner sight. That's www.lucistrust.org and click on inner sight. Uh, we also appreciate your donations. Uh, we thank you for your support. Uh, that's what keeps us on the air and enables us to continue paying for and doing uh, this radio show. Uh, Sarah and Dale don't take any more any money for it at all. It's uh, entirely voluntary on their part, and they put a lot of effort into the show, and, um, and that's their donation. It's a big one. So if you could help us out and send us uh, some donation to help us stay on the air and continue doing these shows, which many of you have expressed uh, appreciation for, uh, please uh, send your donations, check or money order, to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. I I was thinking uh, that in order to understand or to know the psychology of God, uh, I guess the most impossible there is no such a thing as a dictionary or def- definition of God, although I'm sure that uh, in Webster's there is some sort of a definition of God, but uh, that would be ridiculous, actually. It would be too superficial. I mean, what we know from most religions is that God is om- omnipotent, uh, omniscient, and ubiquitous. And, and I, I think what's interesting, too, is uh, until recently, God was always defined by people as anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. And, and now, mm-hmm. I think there's almost been an evolution in man's perception of God because I know when I was young and I went to religious school, I, I was taught that he, I got the feeling that he was anthropomorphic and now it's much more White comp- beard, yeah. on the cloud. <laughs> Throwing down thunderbolts <laughs> and everything. And yeah. Could, could you give you, I think it is germane to this show, could you give us a little more of an understanding of what some of the current thoughts about what God is might be today? It's, it's changed a lot. Well, I think maybe what you're sensing uh, is that um, there's a kind of a, um, not a collision, but a contrast, a juxtaposition uh, between two perceptions of God. One is of God transcendent, apart from the world, and that's expressed uh, in the Bhagavad Gita by Krishna as having pervaded this entire world with a fragment of myself, I remain greater, wider, and um, apart from my creation. That's God transcendent, God who is much greater than our little planet and everything that lives upon it. I think that's what evokes the sense of worship and of propitiation, of sacrifice and of appeasing uh, a God who might be an angry God according to some religions or a just but punishing God. The other uh, perception of God is God imminent, God within every fragment of the manifested world and most particularly present in every human being, no matter how asleep that fragment might be, uh, no matter how unredeemed the person's life and behavior might be at this point in his evolutionary journey, the Christ principle or the Buddhic principle exists in the heart of every human being. That's God imminent. And uh, so perhaps what you're sensing is a kind of a a shift from something that's been a phenomenon of recent years. A real interest in Eastern religion is growing. And I think that uh, might bring about this different perception. What we're talking about today, I suppose, has to do with both 
perceptions of God, the psychology of God, the qualities or the soul expression of God. There are seven attributes. Last week we talked about the quality of synthesis, the complete, comprehensive, all-pervasive expression of deity. Today we're talking about the hidden vision. Yes, these qualities come by way of what we've referred to in the past as the seven rays. And each of the rays conveys a particular quality and uh, the first ray we talked about last week of synthesis is comes along the first ray line and today the hidden quality um, hi- quality of hidden vision comes by way of the second ray of love wisdom so uh, this is just another way of envisioning if you will the how these qualities make their impact on human beings because we uh, in turn are manifesting these same qualities, but of course on a much step-down level. It's interesting that the um, second ray is associated in the writings of Alice Bailey with the, um, um, how does she put it, The will, not the will of steel, but not the dynamic um, uh, crashing force of will so much as the enduring um, steely patient will and that relates to a, a comment she makes about the hidden vision she said that the hidden vision is something beyond human understanding but it probably is best expressed by the principle of continuance which is kind of a fancy term for endurance God's vision is enduring, unwavering, and infinitely patient as we living things on earth muddle our way along. That vision is unwavering and held in perfect um, tension and in uh, illumined uh, perfection until the day comes when all living things on earth manifest what he intends for them, which we don't know. Mm -hmm. Yes, that um, <clears throat> principle of continuance is said to uh, be defined as the capacity of God to persist and to remain. Um, it's similar to uh, our ability of persistence or determination, perhaps. Those are more human uh, cap- capacities. But this capacity of God to remain, it's, it's like in the Bhagavad Gita, Uh, Mm -hmm. having pervaded the universe with a fragment of myself I remain he stays with his vision he has this vision to work out a certain purpose and he stays with it and um, it's no matter what whatever happens he has to stay and it's the capacity to endure like that over eons of time we don't know, well, um, this is obvious to our audience, we don't know what we're talking about. And <laughs> <laughs> well, we speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to make that very clear. We have no idea what we're talking about. Even using the word he makes me a little uncomfortable no. because we're talking about a force or uh, an energy or a system of laws who knows what God is? He's not that man with the white beard. But there is a divine presence 
through which we have our being, our, our life, and not just we human beings, but all uh, aspects of uh, life on earth. And somehow that purpose manifested by that great life is unwavering, as you say, enduring. It's awesome when you think how many millions and millions and millions of years old the earth is. And when you think about the human tendency to give up so easily, there's this uh, enthusiastic determination and then suddenly deflation. And we give up, lose interest, and become discouraged and disheartened. So we can't begin to appreciate mm. If God did that, that would be the end We'd of the be in world. Trouble. <laughs> yeah, we would disappear. But yes. So we we owe everything to God's ability to endure and to persist. I wonder if there's a um, a link between the quality of the hidden vision and the Buddhist concept of nirvana and the other shore. Um, Alice Bailey, I think, said that. Um, the quality of the hidden vision is the basic cause of all sensory perception. It's the cause of our uh, capacity to sense through sight, touch, uh, hearing, smell, and taste. That there is something out there, something towards which we can uh, approach and perhaps blend with. She said that this is an instinctive urge in consciousness and it's the vision granted when one achieves nirvana, which is the Buddhist term for complete realization. I wonder if this might relate to the Buddhist reference reference to um, the vow of the Bodhisattva who has reached nirvana to vow, row all living beings to the other shore. I vow to row them to the other shore. The way is very long. I vow to arrive at the end. It's a beautiful vow that perhaps is the human expression of this unwavering vision that God has for us. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we can practice that, uh, the more that we can begin to grasp what this vision is, um, because this is a quality and a capacity that we have to uh, learn to uh, acquire and to practice the ability to endure and to continue with our uh, projects and our understanding and unfoldment. Yes, um, Alice Bailey said that that's really our role, speaking of humanity as a whole, to be a, a kind of station of light on earth. She said always there have been isolated individual light bearers down the ages, but now the need is for the group light bearer. And then she said, we shall see the rest of the human family begin to hasten their progress towards the spiritual path. The work they have to do will still be slow, she said, but if all the spiritual seekers of the world would submerge their personal interests in the task of adding to the creation of a station of light on earth, the illumination that it would cast not only for our fellow human beings but for all the other kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral would be a tremendous quickening of the evolutionary process. Please take advantage of a special offer from the Lucis Trust and and that is a, a paper, a paper on the psychology of God and 
It's taken from Esoteric Psychology, which is Volume 2 by Alice Bailey. Uh, but more importantly for you, it explores in a deeper um, uh, fashion today's, uh, today's topic, the psychology of God. Um, part 2, the quality of the hidden vision. So if you'd like a little bit more information, um, like to explore it in, in greater depth, uh, just call us and ask for the paper, The Psychology of God. It's absolutely no charge. Give us a call at 1-866-695-8247. Once again, 1-866-695-8247. We'll be happy to send it out to you uh, absolutely free of charge. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You're sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So McDonald's? I could use a McCafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? Morning, Sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You're sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use a McCafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that?